Hi everyone, I'm Harvey. Welcome to A11 Crypto, the show where I talk with visionary founders and savvy investors to de-risk potentials and explore opportunities. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Denko Mancheski from Refinance. Hey Denko, great to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So uh, before we get into the uh, the details of your project, tell us a bit more about your journey in the uh, blockchain space. Sure, sure. So I can I can tell you more about how I got into it first. So I have a have a tech background myself. I started started programming in early early high school. Uh, I started with C I did uh, algorithmic competitions for a few years. Then I moved uh, I moved into the enterprise world. Uh, I worked for two companies who were providing ERP software. Uh, built some modules and some mobile apps for them, which are still used to this day. And then uh, after that, I moved into healthcare. I worked for one of the biggest uh, healthcare platform providers in Europe. Uh, I was there for around two and a half years. And around uh, the, la the last six months, I was leading a team there. We were working on a, a complex uh, complex tool for uh, data modeling, for healthcare data modeling around open EHR standard. And then around, around five and a half years ago, uh, I went on a meetup. Uh, that's how I discovered blockchain technology. Uh, I got into it, started blockchain development myself. My my first experience with blockchain uh, programming was with NXT, which uh, then turned into Ardor. Uh, and of course, I did a lot of Solidity, a lot of Ethereum as well. Uh, but I also did Team as well as some EOS, you know, the whole the whole ecosystem. Uh, so around two years ago, uh, what happens? I'm based in Slovenia, uh, and the the development community here is not super big. So we kind of like, you know, on different projects, we were working with familiar faces. And around two years ago, we decided to team up together with uh, with a few more people. And we, we worked together on different uh, blockchain projects as well as analytics projects. So we have like, uh, you know, blockchain experience as well as, uh, uh, you know, machine learning and statistics. And uh, <clears throat> we basically decided to work together. We, we, uh, we got an office here. We have this office now for almost two years. And uh, last year did mostly uh, analytics, mostly B2B, uh, again, around around crypto, so crypto analytics. And around November through our basically data collecting through our uh, analytics engine, we, we discovered that. And we, we decided to fully, to fully focus on DeFi. And uh, basically uh, starting from January this year, I've been, I've been working on Reef uh, uh, basically full time. So if I understand correctly, I think you, you, you were in different um, uh, crypto projects before this, right? And you were working with the same team or, or similar team? Yeah, so worked with similar teams. Uh, certain like projects were like B2B oriented, so not like public projects that are, uh, you know, consumer facing. So they had to build, uh, ba basically it was a mix between my ERP like experience as well as uh, blockchain experience. So. We help them integrate certain things for their supply chain. All of that is like private, like they don't need to be public. So yeah, there, there has been like a, basically a mix of like consumer facing of B2B of blockchain and analytics. Right, right, right. So tell us why you study Reef. Because uh, if I understand correctly, I think Reef um, has two big parts, right? One is this liquidity aggregator part. Another part is sort of smart borrowing, um, lending and staking, um, sort of like uh, maybe maybe wire. I don't know if I'm correct there. Please uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. 
Yeah, sure. So I can I can explain like first why like how how the whole reef idea came. So um, like as I mentioned, like we started working on reef in January. It was it was not called reef back then. We didn't even have a name. Just uh, just started working. We iterated on the idea multiple times, but our core goal was always the same. We wanted to deliver uh, a product which will give access to the average retail investor to the DeFi landscape and tokens with a very low technical barrier of entry. And basically, like what Robinhood did to the traditional financial landscape, how they abstracted away interacting with order books, uh, interacting with complex like option chains and derivatives. That's what Reef aims to do, basically. And that's why we have like the three components. So the, the first component is, uh, is the, global, the global liquidity aggregator. This means like this is an infrastructural component and this will give access basically uh, to the users to pretty much the whole liquidity in the landscape because we are basically integrating everything and we have like a sort of like a synthetic order book in the background. This is the first infrastructural. The second is the is the uh, smart yield farming aggregator. Uh, this is where the analytics engine that I mentioned comes in. So we, we've been adapting this analytics uh, engine. I can explain how we do things uh, in a in a uh, in, in a bit more details uh, in in a few minutes. So this is the second basically infrastructural component. This is the one that also has like integrations with all of the DeFi protocols, like uh, all the basically like uh, auto market makers to like lending protocols to basically everything that is uh, you know uh, currently in the landscape um, you know uh, hot and people want want to uh, you know uh, uh, get access to. Uh, and uh, the third one is the smart asset management. This this one is the component which in the background is using the first and the second one. And what happens here is uh, basically the user gets access to a risk-adjusted exposure, uh, both uh, on to for tokens as well as DeFi activities. So with just one click, they can come, they can calibrate their risk, they can choose how much uh, money they want to allocate in this like basket. We call it basket. It's a composition basically of different instruments. And then with just one click, they will be, uh, you know, we will basically route and allocate their funds. And then they will be able to monitor like their positions and they can choose to liquidate uh, their whole position with just one click. Uh, so so let's let's go through these three three components right i think each deserves its own space to to be understood so the first one a global liquidity aggregator um uh, can can you explain how you're going to get your liquidity and um yeah let's start, let's start from here sure so um the the idea for this uh, there has been actually like a lot of development going on in the in the landscape around like uh, aggregating liquidity so you have like two two types basically of liquidity the first one is the centralized exchanges which are kind of like isolated silos right now and you have to like register to all of them separately and so on and the second is the 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 decentralized exchanges liquidity and there you have like multiple types of exchanges some of them are like order book based some of them are like you know auto market makers which is emulating and like it's a function that emulates an order book so what we do is we are basically integrating with all of them, and what's uh, and uh, regarding centralized exchanges, uh, it's important to understand that when you come to Reef, we are not a custodial. We are not going to keep your API keys, and uh, you know we, we basically have zero, uh, you know, uh, data about the user. So all of the uh, centralized exchanges liquidity goes through like prime brokers. So those are companies. For example, if you take an example for a prime broker, which I think everyone knows would be Changely. 
So what happens is they are in the background, they have their own accounts, they're linked to the exchanges themselves. And then they like provide uh, endpoints, how you can like communicate with them. You can ask for like a quote, you will, you'll be like, I want to buy 50 Ethereum with like USDT. And then what the, what you get back, you get back the quote and the, the, uh, ad uh, the deposit address on which you have to send the Ether. And then you have to also like send back the recipient address where they will send you basically the ether. Uh, and that's that's how we have decided to like integrate the centralized exchanges liquidity uh, through prime brokers. And for example, Binance uh, is uh, so, so, so multiple players in the landscape. They're like attacking this problem from different directions. So for example, like BitGo, like there is a race who will be like the biggest prime broker. So BitGo like jump on the ship as well but also like Binance does this. So we are integrating with Binance Connect. This is basically a way how you can, uh, you know, uh, basically get some of the Binance liquidity directly directly in, in your app. It's still not like a full-blown prime prime broker experience, but it's it's gonna get there. We already discussed and we, we know their roadmap. So this is on the centralized exchanges. And regarding the decentralized exchanges, this has already been, been done to some extent from like one inch. So basically what happens is uh, we, we kind of do it like um, we, we have like uh, an additional layer on top. Uh, so what happens is, you know, like uh, you, you can integrate with all the auto market making protocols and you can see how like the uh, function is like actually implemented. And for example, if you have like a, a stable coin, they have like a more like... Um, uh, you know, not, not so aggressive function, let's put it that way, while Uniswap has like a more aggressive function. And then in the background, you, you can track basically what's going on. And based on that, you can decide based on the volume, based on the order size, you can decide where to route to route the funds. And that's basically about the first component. So, so, so um, if I understand correctly, uh, you're able to access centralized exchange liquidity through, you know, uh, prime brokers, and or um, I guess their own APIs, right? They offer you maybe a part of their liquidity pool. Now the question I have is that: Do you do you pay for that? Does a user pay for the access? Uh, not 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 really. Like just like you know, you can register normally on exchanges like Binance and Kraken. You don't have to pay anything. Uh, so certain exchanges like they will just ask for KYC. Which so for example in Reef, if if you want to have access to centralized exchanges liquidity, which you don't have to, because we believe that for a lot of retail users, like even if you pool all of their funds together, and that's what we plan to do for the fee uh, saving, uh, there is enough liquidity to like uh, expose them through DEXs. But if the user wants to also like get access to the centralized exchanges liquidity, they will also like have to basically uh, do some sort of KYC, which will we will then relay this to all of those prime brokers. But it's important to understand that all of this happens like from the client side. So we don't ever like on, we don't have any infrastructure that will like even take a look at their like, uh, you know, personal info, like passport and, and stuff like that. But on the other side, they can choose not to do this and they will still be able to use refuse just a MetaMask wallet. Right, right. I get it. So so basically what you're trying to do here is that you're offering the access to both Central Exchange as well as DEX, right? But you're offering them through one place which is reef yes and the option the, the users have different options they, they they can choose whether they want something and if they want something if kyc is re required then they decide to take that um 
So, so one of the things that's very curious to me is that when I was reading your light paper, you mentioned something called infinity swap, right? Can can you sure. can you explain that a bit? Yeah. So, so what happens? What happens here is like you have like more and more basically like uh, different ideas of how. So, so you know, this auto market maker it has been like to this extent it has been like quite like new uh, idea. And it's a, it's a great idea because that that's basically the only way how can we make like uh, decentralized exchanges efficient as we've seen like order book based is not super efficient. So what happens here is like different different um, projects are coming with different ideas. How can we basically do the function that does this auto market making? And if you take a look at Uniswap and compare with like with like Sushi and the rest, they all have like different 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 implementation. And the only difference basically right, right now is that, for example, for some of them, you have like uh, uh, like impermanent loss where you have some some disbalance between between the sides. And then, you know, some some of them like promise that they will have like more efficient one with less or non-existent impermanent loss and so on. And what happens is it's all about the aggressiveness of this function. So, uh, for example, if you take a look at Uniswap, why why uniswap needs a lot of liquidity because you know at some point this function just spikes which means like you, know, you have some certain stability and then it just uh, you know goes uh, and, and blows up and uh, we've we've seen like uh, you know uh, why why it, you know certain things are good certain things are not good on the other side even if you you know if even if you come up with something better it does not mean that it will get used because it's not just about how efficient this function is it's all about like how do you like get users like on board and if you don't have users it doesn't matter what kind of function you have so what, ha what happens in the in the light paper we have like a like a modified version of this which will be like less aggressive but as i mentioned uh, like our initial goal is to first integrate with uh, existing ones and then eventually based on you know based on you know, what we see like in in the data because we we scan everything even like our decisions are being uh you know uh, uh, back tested again to see where we can improve and whatnot and we have uh, certain ideas how can we also like basically uh, include our own like uh, uh auto market making uh, instance which uh, does not necessarily need to be the only place where we take liquidity it will be just as if we integrated some other auto market maker and we believe that one might be more efficient but until we get like users and there is like certain traffic this is uh, you know basically impossible to bootstrap by ourselves so, and that that's why we decided to to like first integrate with the rest and then do that so, so am i to understand that in the uh, infinite swap refers to a more lenient curve right so you don't have the huge drop off right and and, and the and the rise up in, in the gradient right right but 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 first uh, before that happens, I imagine in order for you to do that, you know, that's like sort of your own pricing curve. You need all your own liquidity, right? But before we get there, first exactly. step, what you're trying to do is just aggregate uh, liquidity from different decks. Okay, gotcha. Yes, that's correct. Ag aggregate liquidity and get user base. And then eventually, like the part of this user base, you know, based on their volume and whatnot, we can, we can start bootstrapping our own like auto market maker as well. Right, right. Um, one other thing I think is very important for people to uh, understand is that um, in your in your line paper you mentioned something that refers to how your global liquidity aggregator would help prevent front running. Now that's huge. Can, can you please explain that? 
Yeah, so there there are multiple there are multiple ways how to do this, and we've been actually talking to like uh, I I forgot the name. So uh, what happens is um, you know like first from from like the prime the prime broker brokerage point of view, they have like certain like they have like uh, you know their own terms. So there is not like much to do on that front. Uh, basically, we will work with uh, the prime brokers, which you know have like the best terms for the users. We will integrate these. And regarding regarding DAC, the the DEXs, it's a it's quite a like a hard problem to solve right now. But there has been like one, a very in my opinion elegant attempt, which I think will get probably over time even more popular. And that's the following. For example, like we on the tech level, like on the actual like you know blockchain level, we cannot really like prevent it because the way the infrastructure is, works and everything is like transparent. But there is one way. And I believe that this will become even more popular, and that's like private private mining companies will allow like uh, companies like Reef who have like certain user base want to access DEX liquidity, where we will broadcast the transaction to them instead of to the whole like basically uh, uh, you know uh, mining uh, landscape. And what they will do is they will not. So the way the way the blockchain protocol works, you have this gossip, gossip like um, uh, like distribution basically algorithm where based on where you send the transaction. So for example, if I if I initially broadcast it to like a node in Asia, eventually it will get to the US over like few seconds and so on. So what happens with this like the with these uh, pools? They have like a lot of uh, like. Uh, uh, mining power they have a lot of hash power and they also have like certain partners and they it's 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 private so basically when we send the transaction they will not further relay this transaction but because they have enough hash power they will be able to include it in the block and that's how you are not uh, revealing your intention right uh, and, right got yeah. you got you so basically um for people who maybe uh, need a bit more background, so um, currently <clears throat> in, in in the space, there's something called a minor extractive value, right? So whoever people can order your transactions, uh, however they want, or whoever is you know creating the block. So if you have enough hash power to include transactions before everyone else, then you will be the state of the blockchain, right? So what you what Denko is saying that if there is a miner who um, incentivized, I guess, because they need to be incentivized, right? To not, um, you know, uh, take advantage of, you know, MEV, um, then the users will be able to um, not get front run, right? Because I, I, I know there are bots on Uniswap that, that, that do this, that do this extremely successfully, I have to say, right? I, I think uh, one time I tracked a bot that, that, that started with like, I think 20 ETH, and, and then a few months later, that went to like 2,000 ETH, that sort of thing, which is crazy. And oh. this is a huge problem, I think. I think whoever solves this will be, uh, you know, will, will be uh, like a huge level up from, from, from what we have right now. So, so you know, um, how will you like incentivize the, these miners to do this? Yeah. So actually, some of them they're already like creating their own like rules. So it will uh, like the only reason would be the only like difference would be it will cost a bit more gas. But the fact that we plan like in the uh, in the second version, which is uh, again coming like uh, by the end of this year, we have like a pooling mechanism. 
where you know for you as a user if you want to currently get into like um, like a certain like basket uh, it costs a lot of like gas because you know we have to expose you to like different protocols and then collect everything together and all of the smart contract operations cost so what happens is this pooling mechanism is a very like lightweight smart contract where we just take the order basically like what you want to be exposed to and then like the other users like also like uh, send their orders there instead of directly into the basket engine and what happens here either after like certain amount of time or after like a certain amount of like money pooled then uh, basically like anyone can call the smart contract to keep to to like basically proceed with the process which means like take all of these pooled funds and uh, take them to the to the basket engine to then further route them and uh, right uh, right so so basically um by pulling everything together different orders or amounts right then the cost is spread out through through yes. everybody and and yes. currently one inch they, they they don't have this they don't yeah okay got you got you now that's interesting that's interesting i think whenever uh for people who are trading retail and if it, they, they, they're not trading like a whale you know it is very important for them to not have <clears> a ten dollar transaction fee on every single transaction. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And since there will be like pooled funds, so for example, instead of $100, you will pay like a few cents, let's say, like when you want to invest like $100, you'll pay a few cents. Again, it can be like, uh, you know, we, we can split the fee differently based on the size of the, of the order. So if you want to put like, maybe if you want to do like 100K, maybe you will pay like 80% of the fee yourself, but it will still be like, low like way lower like we actually we, we plan to like have different proposals and through like you know the DAO can basically decide how how those things uh, get split uh, but we believe also like since we have this pooling we will be able to afford the the you know the front running which means we can like collaborate with a certain like mining pool which will ask for a higher fee but since the since it's pooled funds uh, it will be uh, acceptable expense i see i see Okay, got you there, got you there. So that that is a global liquidity aggregator side, right? What about the uh, lending borrowing side, right? Um, it, can can you unpack that a bit more? Sure. So that so the the second the second component, uh, as I mentioned, is the uh, smart deal farming aggregator. Uh, we call this one inch for deal farming, basically. But uh, the way it works is this is where the analytics engine comes into place, and there is like so much to talk about this one. What happens is we we have we are collecting like three different sources of data, so we have uh, like exchange data, we have uh, uh, social media data, and we have like blockchain traffic data. So we run our own nodes. We are connected to like centralized exchanges ourselves, like in the background. And what happens? We collect all of this data, and for example, from exchanges, we collect. Uh, we don't just collect like the volume histogram and the OHLC charts, but we also collect order book deltas. So order book deltas are super important for us. And, uh, you know, it's quite hard to actually process them because different exchanges have like different um, uh, structure of how they are like sending those um, uh, deltas to us. And what it means, what delta, what, what order book deltas mean for the, for the users is basically when you open something like Coinbase Pro, you can see like, like the whole screen is blinking or if you go on, on BitMEX and you can see like, like, certain things get updated super fast. And what, what happens here is this is all bots that are like, you know, uh, submitting an order, canceling an order, increasing the order, decreasing the order and so on. And the exchanges, they have protocols to broadcast 
the change that happens. So you can imagine there's a lot of data here. And what happens with uh, with this is at any point in time, at any point in time, because we collect the deltas, we can reconstruct the state of the order book. And then we can keep applying those changes in like slow motion and see exactly what happened. But the big power comes from the point where we collect it from multiple exchanges and then we can put them in, a, in the same like timeline. And then we can see, for example, when there was certain price movement, which was the leading exchange that happened, uh, you know, that, that uh, started this like pump or dump. And then how the order books in the other exchanges behaved. Like you can see that the order book basically disappears because the bots like are taking it away and so on. And out of this data, you can extract a lot of metrics. Like you can see how like real is the order. Like obviously those metrics are not like 100% accurate because they're based on like um, uh, some uh, threshold. So we have like some uh, confidence level uh, because they're all like statistics, right? And we can see like how much of the order book is real. You can really spot like wash trading and, and whatnot. And we use like this data stream to grade certain, to classify basically certain instruments. So certain tokens, which we believe are like super wash traded, that we are not including them into the baskets. It's like, even if you go like 100% risk, they will still not show up there because they do not meet like the minimum requirements. And, uh, you know, the users who do not know this, they will, you know, just go and get exposed to stuff like this. But through Reef, you have like this production because we basically do all of the heavy lifting in the background. And then the second is the on-chain traffic where we extract certain metrics about pools. So, for example, something like spaghetti that happened like a few weeks ago or, uh, or like over a month now. Um, you know, you can track the velocity of the funds flow. So how fast the funds, came, the funds came into the smart contract, how old is the smart contract. And then you can pair this with like social media data. You can say like this smart contract is matching those like Twitter uh, hashtags. Like tell me like when did they start their social media attraction? Was there like a certain big influencer who like started this and started chilling this? How this, how, how like the social media traction with timeline affected the velocity of funds flow and whatnot. And out of all of those things, we again grade, we extract certain metrics, a certain metadata that we turn into metrics. And out of all of these metrics, we create like risk levels. And what happens, and, and this is, this is uh, so the, the second component then leaks into the third one, where the third one is basically just consuming the, the analytics engine and all the integrations. So when I say like a smart, a smart uh, yield farming aggregator, it's like it has two parts. One is the analytics engine, and the other one is all the smart contracts, which are basically just integrations with all of the all, all of the protocols. And then uh, this analytics engine, you you as a user, and this is the third component that, that you are inter interacting with this component. You come, you choose your risk level, and then you when you like choose your risk level, you are basically communicating in real time with the analytics engine, and it gives you back like a composition of different instruments where you should be exposed to. And you can also see the historic performance of the whole like uh, basket, or you can call it some form of a dynamic index, basically. And initially, like initially this basket will be like uh, exposure to token. And we have two types of baskets. One is we call it like general basket, which gives you exposure to like uh, tokens and different like uh, staking mechanisms. So you can like, uh, you know, stake into a pool, uh, and the second one is stablecoin basket, which is, you know, you, you're exposed to just to stablecoin uh, yield farming. So you can get into all the Wi-Fi clones and whatnot based on how much you want to risk, basically. 
and um, uh, eventually, you know, the the, uh, the the iteration is the following. Like initially, like you get into those baskets, then you can get certain updates for those baskets. So you you will wanna like rebalance or reallocate. Uh, but over time, we wanna like by by Q two, we wanna have it like fully automated. So you can just come say I want to get like certain percentage of my wealth to this risk level, certain percentage to that risk level, and you can just click invest then like things will just happen for you and you will just be able to track your performance right right uh, let's 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 go through this because this is uh, this is super interesting um so when i as a user go to riff finance <coughs> you allow me to choose different risk levels right and uh what this essentially does because you have all this data in the background you allow or you um filters out or you filter out um I guess tokens or coins that are being heavily, I don't know, manipulated. I guess that, that that's the point, right? Yeah. Of, of the data. So then, what I'm left with is, you know, maybe you you said a, a a basket, right? Um, a basket of tokens. I guess you know another way of looking at it is just index, right? A tracker. Now, yeah. so it if so then then what happens? So then, am I able to buy the whole basket and then? Mm -hmm. So, so let's say I buy the whole basket, right? So I my my funds are divided into different uh, different coins. Yeah. So then, do I receive these individual coins, or do I receive some sort of um, placement holder for these tokens? And then, right. Yeah, please, you go. Yeah. So, so first, the basket is not just tokens. So some of some of it is like staking into certain pools and getting like pool shares. And uh, you know, like we we've seen, like it's so complicated and fragmented right now to get exposed to all of those things because you have to go to like five different websites and you have to like monitor your own wallet. So the way we did it is, you just get into those things and you don't worry like about if about them because the basket engine is holding the position for you, and then with just one click you can liquidate the whole basket and get out of them. Uh, right, right at the same time right so, so you don't have to you don't have to monitor them you don't have to worry about them right so so what you're saying to me is that let's say that i'm interested in staking in polkadot i'm interested in staking eth 2.0 and there is a basket that i can put my money into and the basket itself does the staking for me yes exactly exactly and this is your basket and we cannot take like the money out it's a fully non-custodial solution so this basket, like through through this basket, your funds are getting routed, and that and then this basket is holding your position for you, and then you can in, in directly in our app, you will be able to see all the baskets that you that you have you're currently exposed to. You can see the perform their performance, like the aggregated performance of all the assets, mm -hmm. and that's it. Like you don't have to worry about anything else. So so, so this is huge, right? I, I want people to understand this. The, the, we talk about staking a lot in crypto, right? Uh, Polkadot, X2.0, uh, other chains. But every single time for anyone to actually go to stake, we rely on A, there's some sort of communication from the, the project themselves telling us how to do it, right? Step by step. And that's, that's a lot of information, especially if you're new to crypto, right? Like you, you, you probably don't understand how, where, where, where Ample Geyser is or, or how do I stake my polka dot right where, where do i find a dedicated staking right I, I don't know all of this now if what you're saying is that you can abstract all that away so i imagine in the background you'll have a service like i don't know anchor or like uh, rocket pool so the, the funds are going to them right and then they solve the, solve the staking for 
um, for different projects, right? But you are the layer, the layer that allows a retail guy to click two buttons to go there. Exactly. That's that's correct. I think that's huge. I think that's huge. And, and so, so I I was looking at your um, I guess progress update roadmap thing, you know, and I think you know in in, in did you mention that Q2 next year or, or, or when will this particular function become fully live? Yeah, actually, actually, like we, we so, so those, those the, the basket engine has to go through like multiple iterations. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple reasons. First, like it needs like to be even further developed. Second, uh, it's about like confidence. So we have, we want to like launch, start up with something smaller and then expand into like a fully automated, like uh, suite, basically where you don't have to do anything. So at the beginning, it will be like um, uh, a more of a static basket right away. You will receive updates. You will receive update updates for your baskets, but you have to like click again, just one button to update this basket. So you, we will need your input there. And that, this is the iterative process where you can see, okay, now those people like the engine decided this, you can just discard it. You'll be like, no, I don't want this like uh, reallocation or rebalance to happen. Uh, but the initial version, the initial version comes uh, comes next month, actually. Next While month. Uh, the next month, yeah. So, so um, next month people go to Rift or Finance, go to the app and they can do this. Yes, they will be able to choose their risk level and get exposed to all of those things. Well, they will be able to mo monitor their baskets. There will be two types of baskets, like stable coins as well as normal ones. And our like uh, long-term plan is to actually allow third parties to be also able to add different strategies because those are all like strategies, right? What we do in the background, all of this risk management, it's it's part of a strategy. And then we can allow third parties, which can be voted through the DAO, like they will be able to, they will have to like stake a lot of free for, like we can decide how the whole filtering process goes. Mm. But then you have like, uh, you know, other like projects uh, like Numeri, Numer, Numer mm -hmm. AI, yep. uh, they, they're like, um, uh, they're doing, you know, similar things sort of like quantitative analysis on the market and whatnot. So why not? Like allow them to use all of our infrastructure and all of the integrations and they just focus on the on the strategy. strategy we can even we can even like provide data api for them like if they need to consume you know this this data to to do certain things so that's that's the longer term vision uh, i think many people like me will look forward to this um because this is this will be game changing if somebody is out is able to do this but also you know to 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 um to, to through your challenge right in order for you to be able to do this in terms of staking um, and yield farming, um, A, there has to be another service available for to actually take the staking, right? Because you guys will not be the one doing the staking on different networks, right? You are the aggregator, correct? Yes, Right. correct. So we, we, we'll have to, uh, you know, I guess, wait for either different projects or, or, or you know, uh, different chains themselves to be able to, you know, um, integrate the service. As well as, let's say that um, if if I am so in terms of stablecoin yield farming, right? I, again, I think this is a huge huge use case, right? Because because stablecoin yield farming is the lowest risk, right? Because using dollar to, to, to yield farm, but this also comes in uh, with a question where the the thing that you're farming has to be secure, right? There's no 
there's no funny business going on. There's no rug pull, right? And and yeah. and, and will you guys be filtering this? Like how how will you be filtering this? Yeah. So so basically, just like just like the coins, which coins are being wash traded and whatnot, there are like certain requirements for the other like like pools and or lend, lending protocols, in order for like us to include them into like the analytics engine and the analytics engine would recommend those things. They have to like go through like certain like uh, a filtering process. And for example, if you want to go to like a hundred percent risk, like between like 90 and hundred, uh, you know, we will publish our methodology of how we do things. We can, we want to, we're working on like an onboarding experience for you to understand the risks. You have to understand that, this is a market and you know the market has like average returns so we cannot just make magic happen we are not like a fund that's promising you like uh, high roi like f- funny things like that because no one no one can do, can really do that yeah. uh so what happens is if you like get into 90 to 100 risk you're like i wanna yolo i wanna get into the fast the, the newest latest greatest plus zillion thousand percent yeah. you might be exposed to certain things that we person like we we believe are not like uh you know they're not fulfilling all the requirements but they did fulfill like enough requirements and then we can just recalibrate those requirements make them even more strict and so on but if you're a user that let's say an average user and a user who doesn't know crypto we are also planning to add fiat gateway so you come with a credit card you choose like 10 risk level you get exposed to like high market cap projects that are stable they they are not being wash traded they're reputable they have been established you get into like a big pools that took a lot of time to build we even track like the number of addresses that um, this pool is uh, basically like uh, you know how, how many liquidity providers are there you know is it like one whale who put like 30 mil or is it like a lot of users who put like a thousand dollar each and you know like b- based on all of those metrics you get there so yeah we are definitely like filtering things out so that that's that's great because you mentioned you also mentioned something about fiat gateways, right? So so eventually yes. people will be able to just use a credit card. Yes, that's correct. We actually already did like uh, integrations for other projects. So we were working with Simplex on this. Uh, it's uh, basically we have like uh, you know completely integrated solution directly into Reef. So you can just uh, you know pull your credit card and you know you'll be like oh, I want thousand dollars. They have like a very decent fees compared to the general market, which charges a lot of money. So far, we, we, we believe those are like the best guys out there. And um, yeah, with just basically a few clicks, you will get exposed to the whole crypto landscape. You know, right, is... right, right. I get it. I get it. Um, I think, again, that'll, be, that'll, that'll make things so much easier for people <laughs> instead of going to Coinbase Kraken every single time. So, so obviously, there's a lot of exciting things going on here. Um, I can see the value to the users. But what is the economic design and value accrual system for your tokens? That's a that's a great question. So basically, like I, I told you, like about the three components and how they work together, and now those three components are tied together basically with the Rift token and the Rift pool. So what happens is uh, uh, the the whole like Rift ecosystem has like three income streams right now. Like we are obviously planning to add more. So the first one comes from the basket engine, and this is this is very important. So when you choose your risk level and when your funds are allocated, when you are able to monitor the basket, you can see like your how much like profits you made. And let's say you put like hundred ether, you made ten percent, so you have like ten percent profit, and you choose to like liquidate this basket. And what happens here 
when you click liquidate, uh, there, there is like a pop-up which says, okay, you made 10 ether. Now you here, you can choose the rate, the payout ratio of these 10 ether. How much of this 10 ether should be paid to you in ether? How much should it pay should, should be paid to you in Rift token? So we, it's, it's not a fee, but you choose the payout ratio. And the more you choose in Reef, the better like terms you get. So you, 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 you get basically more paper money, but uh, we can assume that the Reef token is less liquid than Ether. Uh, so you're kind of like, 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 you know, you're getting exposed to something less liquid, but you get more of it, for example. And we can here, we can set the minimum. So for example, you will, you'll be able to set between five and 10%. Which means you have to take five percent in reef, which means we get to keep five percent of your yields, which is not us, but the basket engine, which is not controlled by us. And what happens is what we get to keep goes directly into the reef pool. It's automatically directed to the reef pool, where we can like provide liquidity there. We can pay out yields basically to the reef pool shareholders, and this is the first income stream. Mm -hmm. The second income stream, the second income stream is the protocol fees so besides ethereum charging a fee we plan to like introduce a small like initially not none but eventually we'll have like a small fee which we can like uh tailor it can be like a fixed small cent or a small percentage so not not like ether where it's it's a fixed fee you know no, no matter if you transfer ten dollars or or one million you have to pay the same fee right. here we can we can tailor it you know based on the size and again those fees are the second income stream and those go again to the reef pool. Eventually, we can introduce a reef treasury where not all of the funds go like uh, for uh, providing reef pool. We can do like buyback of the token. We can give grants to other projects, for example, to certain numerai funds, to certain like uh, analysts to build our additional strategies. And it's like, you know, so that, that's the second one. And the third one, the third one is quite, quite interesting because the idea came from it, it's around governance. So the idea came from how how inefficient was delegated proof of stake in the past, and how like certain proposals could not be voted on because the majority of the people did not even want to bother to just vote or even delegate voting power to other people. Right. And uh, in the rift in the rift case, and, and we believe that was inefficient. And in the rift case, like passive users, they will just be able to stake into the rift pool and earn their yield, which comes from like you know multiple streams. While the active users, they can borrow tokens from the reef pool in order to increase their voting power to move certain proposals. And what happens here, if they basically they will be able to borrow tokens from the from the reef pool in order to leverage their voting power. And while doing that, they will have to pay like fee to the reef pool for the borrowed tokens, right? Right, right. And and, and will that be collateralized lending from the reef pool? Uh, uh, so no. Uh, it will not, which is, I think, uh, great because we can charge a lot of fees to the people who want to leverage their voting power. And these borrowed tokens can only be used for voting. So they cannot just, like, you know, uh, borrow, uh, you know, tokens which are not collateralized and then just do something funny with them. Mm -hmm. Th those things will only be used for voting. So they can, like, do different proposals. They can, we can include, like, other, other protocols uh, and whatnot. So uh, that's that's the third the third income stream. Interesting, interesting. I think I think the third is especially interesting. I mean, I think the the, the first two um, <clears throat> a is from the um, I guess um, the income. You, yeah, yeah. The basket, the basket engine, the income you generate for users, uh, 
Um, that's sort of like automatic uh, reef buyback sort of mechanism, I guess. The second yes. thing is the protocol um, uh, for for people who are using it, I you know suppose, right? And yep. um, the third one, when people can borrow against it, but but how will the rates being set? Yeah, so the the rates the rates can be can be set differently based on based on how many tokens were borrowed. So the the more tokens are being borrowed, we can set the higher the rate. Basically, it's all about incentives. So they can see, look, I can like you know leverage this voting power. Eventually, we can introduce more things. Besides just for voting power, you'll be able to do other things as well. So it will be based on you know supply and demand pretty much. Right. So basically, like a uh, like an utilization rate, right? The more somebody wants to borrow out of the available basket, the more they pay. Uh, it's like curve exactly. Thing, right. Exactly. And there is also a, like a nerf nerfing function as well, which will you know uh, you cannot just over leverage yourself and you know as so there is like some diminishing returns. So the more you leverage, the less kind of voting power you ha- you get right 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 right. yeah because that makes sense because one of the potential challenges of that system is somebody decided to borrow if there's a proposal right that that's very has high monetary value attached to the outcome somebody can just borrow and and then get it get it get the system to go their way right it's like um if there's a mechanism where where i guess people can borrow uni right and then this somehow overreach uh, you know go above 40 million mark right then they can do that but maybe 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 that's not the best for the system or, or for the whole 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 project right so yeah. I, I just want to understand if and how, how that will be you know dealt with or prevented from happening yeah so so basically like uh it's let's assume that it's some form of like a 51 percent attack right so uh, it's all about like this, uh, like uh, rates, setting up the, the rates dynamically. And if someone wants to over leverage a lot in a small time frame to vote on the same proposal. So there, there are multiple like parameters of why they will have to pay like a lot of money in order to like if they have a lot of tokens and pay a lot of money, then they might be able to do like certain like, you know, uh, things. But we assume this would be extremely hard to do. And, you know, the you it's like the 51 percent attack like anyone can do it but not really because you need like many millions in order to achieve right. it so basically we are just modeling around that mm-hmm. how and and there are multiple parameters so one of them is how much is uh, available second is how much you want to borrow mm-hmm. third the velocity the velocity of how fast you want to borrow fourth it depends your voting power the leverage voting power will depend on like the proposal if there is a lot of leverage for a certain proposal like imagine there is a proposal and 80% of the voting power is a leveraged voting power. Of course, it's not going to have like a lot of effect. So it's all about like those basically functions. And, right, 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 right. Okay. It's, it's, it's quite easy to actually like model it. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. So let, let's try to wrap this up. I think th- there has been a lot of good stuff, right? So tell us maybe the three challenges that you are currently facing and three upcoming features or things that, that make you excited about the project. Yeah. So um, uh, right now, uh, you know, I've been I've been part of like as I mentioned this landscape for some time, and uh, now I'm focused on you know uh, executing the the community engagement as much as I can. This is like the most challenging things. I want to like provide like some innovative ideas, uh, but it seems like this landscape came up with a lot of ideas in the past, so it's hard to find something new. Uh, but it's fine. Like we can see what worked. So in, in short, basically. 
for me personally, the marketing related activities are the, the most challenging and I, I like it because I, I like challenge. So we're just figuring things out. But on the other side, it's a bit hard from like a tech uh, person because it's so hard to like quantify your productivity in marketing because you can always do more. Well, in tech, you know, you develop this, you spent like, a, you know, a bunch of hours, you closed a bunch of tasks and you are satisfied. Mm. But in marketing, you just don't know when is the, you know, when did you do like well and when, when did you do, you know, not so well. Right. So that's the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And regarding the product, I'm super excited, uh, you know, to, to launch the initial version next month. Uh, and uh, it will be, you know, great for users to like have access to this landscape, start testing it out, give us the feedback. We've have we've had experience in the past with like uh, establishing like feedback loops with our users. So this is something I'm super excited about. We want to uh, not just uh, deliver something that we think the users need, but we want to establish those feedback loops to validate like uh, the idea and then be able to like iterate on the idea if necessary and pivot if necessary. So wanna establish this link with the users. So so we will build what they need and not, and we will not just build what we think they need. Right, right. Iteration process makes the product much better, right? Because yes, yeah, user feedback iteration, and but regarding your marketing, you know, uh, I guess challenge. Uh, I actually think there there you know I know that we are in a space where there's tons of noise, right? Tons of noise. Mm-hmm. Everybody's shouting at the top of their lungs, but um. You know the way I I look at it is that if if there's a product that people can use right that drowns uh, drowns out the noise right people just stick to it stick to your platform Correct. I, I I'm absolutely a hundred percent set on that in, in short term there may be pump and dumps but in the long term the project that's gonna do hundred x right the project that five years now will be at a stage where it's at a one billion market cap will be those who got users on it, right? With with money flowing in and out, uh, providing real value. So so I know I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you progress, and how everything develop. And um, I'll be welcoming you back to the show again when you have you know product launches updates and uh, see where we go from here. Perfect. That thank, sounds great. Thank you so much for your time, Danko, and uh, hopefully I see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Harvey. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. You too.